Uh, if you would, turn in your uh, Bibles to uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 3. We're going to be going through verses uh, uh, 7 through 13. Revelation 3, uh, 7 through 13. Uh, my name is Joey, and uh, uh, I'm just, uh, just a servant here, and uh, it's an honor and privilege to be able to stand up here today and, uh, and go through the scriptures with you guys as uh, Cody's away. Um, so, again, Revelation uh, 3, 7 through 13. And also, uh, the YouVersion app, uh, you can look it up on, on your phone. Uh, you can follow along in the notes there as well, too, in the uh, version app, right? Okay. Well, good morning again. So, I am my mother's baby, right? I am the baby, right? My mom, she stayed home with me. She took care of me. Uh, She was my everything as I was a baby. Uh, And then when I was about five years old, this can be hard. (laughs) uh, My mom and dad separated, and uh, my mom ended up leaving. Uh, One of the earliest uh, earliest memories I have was me standing on the porch as my mom was, was packing up her car to leave. And, uh, you know, I was just devastated. She was my everything. Um, and, and this event crushed me for decades. I grew up with fear. I grew up with many insecurities. Um, you know, I spent the next 20, 20 years with anger towards my parents, uh, anger towards everybody. And uh, I often turned to other things for, uh, for peace and for security. Uh, yet everything I pursued for peace uh, brought me more turmoil. Everything I brought me for more comfort uh, brought me more fear. Everything I thought would bring me love actually brought me more hatred. Um, and I, I still remember that the, you know, the day, the last time, my mom actually changed the, the locks um, and she closed that door on our relationship. Um, then after I, I gave my life to the Lord a couple years later, everything changed. Everything changed. My mom's here today. <laughs> It was fine until I seen her, and then I seen her, and all these emotions just started coming forward. So, but praise the Lord. But uh, after I got saved, all that anger was gone, um, and I started actually taking responsibility for my actions. Uh, and, and again, through my relationship with the with the Lord, uh, He opened up many doors, many doors. Um, and uh, my mom actually came to know the Lord several years after I did. And now we have a beautiful late, uh, relationship. Uh, in the Lord, and it's, it's fantastic. Um, and even after that, the, the Lord gave me opportunity to share with my brother, and he eventually came to the Lord as well. And again, this is what we're going to study the, this morning. We're going to study how your relationship with the Lord is the greatest priority in your life, and how God opens doors. So our big idea today is Jesus miraculously opens doors for you when you have a right relationship with him. So let's go ahead and read Revelation 3, 7 through 13. Uh, Verse 7 says, And to the angel of the Lord in in Philadelphia write these things, He who is holy, he who is holy, uh, thank you, son. These things says, He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Verse 9 says, Indeed, I will make those of the, of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews, 
and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my, my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may, may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just come before you, Lord. Uh, we're, we're so thankful, Lord, for your presence. Uh, we're, thank you, we're thankful for... Uh, all that you've done for us, Lord, uh, as you have opened up the door for a relationship uh, with God through your Son. So, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would just really speak to us this morning. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would just uh, give us understanding of your word and just really help us, Lord. Help us to apply uh, these biblical principles in our lives, Lord. So we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> So uh, this morning we're gonna we're gonna break this section down into three parts today. Uh, uh, section one, uh, verses seven, uh, the deity. The oh no, no, a vision of Jesus. Sorry, I changed it on the notes. Uh, number two, uh, verses eight through ten, we're gonna look at an encouragement from Jesus, and then verses eleven through thirteen, a promise from Jesus. And as we read through this uh, this church, uh, if you remember last week, as we went through the church of. Um, Sardis, there's, there's, a, there's a big contrast between these two churches. Uh, notice that Jesus did not condemn this church in any, any way. Uh, it's actually only one of two churches uh, that there wasn't a correction from Jesus. Right? This is the only one. There was no correction within this, this passage today. Um, and, and again, uh, last week as we went through Sardis, there wasn't one encouragement from Jesus. Uh, and the stark contrast between this, these churches is, is, is pretty startling. You know, Sardis was the dead church, uh, and, and of course, you can't have a relationship with something that is dead, right? And if, and if you are spiritually dead, so is your relationship with Jesus, and the only way to revive it is by repenting and turning to God. Um, so the power of this church of Philadelphia that we're going to look at today, uh, again, it wasn't because they were so great, they were so awesome, uh, they were super saints, but it was because they were simply faithful to the Word of God, and, to, and they were faithful to the relationship with Jesus Christ, which comes from the Word of God. So, so look at uh, point one. We're going to look at the a vision of Jesus. Uh, verse seven says, "And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write." And, and so here, Jesus opens up his letter, his, his letter addressing it to the angel, or literally messenger. Um, and, you know, it could be an angel. It could be an angel, but most likely it's a pastor, and that's kind of that's how we've been going through the Book of Revelation. Uh, basically, it's a representative of that church. Uh, and the city of Philadelphia was located about 120 miles off the coast uh, of Turkey on the main route from Rome to the east. It was only about 20 miles away from Sardis, the church that we looked at last week as well, too. And thus, uh, the, the city, because of the road that was going from the Rome to the east, it was called the, the gateway to the east. So therefore, there was a lot of commerce. There was a lot of traffic that would roll through there. There was a lot of opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, this city was also called Little Athens because there was uh, a ton of, uh, a ton of uh, uh, temples in the city. 
uh, much like Athens today. And, and if you look at it today, uh, you know, the, the, the modern-day uh, Philadelphia, there's actually still an uh, old church there. There's actually three pillars that are actually still standing there today. Um, and, and there was only one great, there was one great problem with this church. Um, it was, uh, it, it, there was a lot of earthquakes, a lot of earthquakes. And then 17 BC, the, the city was completely destroyed. And this was the same earthquake that actually destroyed Sardis as well. And uh, of course, we know that the, the word Philadelphia means brotherly love, right? Uh, phileo uh, in Greek, it means brotherly love. So, uh, so let's look at verse uh, 8. It says, uh, oh, wait a minute. No, 7b. It says, these things says, he who is holy, he, uh, he who is true, and he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. So in all the other letters that Jesus writes to the seven churches, uh, he, he describes himself with one, one or more of the attributes found in, in uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Uh, whether it was eyes like flaming fire or a, a sword coming out of his mouth. Yet here he states some different attributes uh, of his character. Uh, and he states that he is holy and true. The Webster di uh, Dictionary, the, the old one, the 1828 one, defines uh, the definition of holy is, it says this, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Can anybody in here today say that they're holy? Looking at that, <laughs> apart from Jesus Christ? No, apart from Jesus Christ, we're not. But yet this is the characteristics of Jesus, worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. And again, this is paramount to, to, to declaring that he is God, right? He is holy in his character. He is holy in his words. He is holy in his purpose. And as the holy one, he is completely set apart from everyone and everything else, right? There is no comparison. There is no comparison to Jesus Christ and his holiness. And not only is he holy, he is also true. He is an original, not a copy, right? I know Fernando thinks he's the OG, but he's not, right? So uh, Jesus is the original, not a copy. He's the authentic God, and he's not a manufactured one. It's not something that was just manufactured by man. Uh, he is God. Jesus said in John, uh, John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Remember, there's only one way to the one God, and it's simply through Jesus Christ. And I mean, I love what he says there. He, he is the way. He's the way for what? What's the opposite of way? If you know the way, what's the opposite of that, right? You're probably lost, right? You're probably lost. Uh, the truth for what? For those that are living a lie. Uh, and the life for those who are dead, right? This is why Jesus came. He showed us, to, he came to, to show us the true way to having true life. So carrying on again, he also says in, uh, in verse 7, he says that he has the key of David who, no one op who, who opens and no one shuts. And so the key of David, this is a reference to Isaiah chapter 22. Uh, Isaiah 22 tells us about a treasurer named Shebna uh, who, who was, he was the treasurer. And he was actually, he was uh, the treasurer under uh, King Hezekiah and he was using the, the temple money for his own pleasures. Right? And God was going to replace him. God replaced him with a man named Eliakim who would do what was right. Isaiah 22, 22 says this. And it sounds just like verse uh, 7 here. It says, the key, the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no one, sh no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. 
I will fasten him, I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. And I don't know about you, but that, that, to me, that's a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is, as Jesus Christ will rule and reign in holiness and in truth. So let's move on to uh, point two, uh, an encouragement from Jesus, verses 8 through 10. So verse 8 says, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So here Jesus says, I know. And, and again, as we've been going through this, uh, he, he, he says this to every church. Uh, why? Because Jesus is not just present, but he is also engaged. Uh, not like someone who is there physically, but mentally is just completely checked out, emotionally checked out. And again, Jesus knows their, their works, and he rewards them with an open door that no one can shut. Uh, open door in the New Testament refers to an opportunity for ministry, an opportunity for sharing the gospel. And this is what Jesus has, has given to this church, an open door to share his great love. And Jesus is the Lord of the harvest uh, and the head of the church. And we, when he opens doors for sharing, uh, for sharing the gospel, no one can shut them. You know, I, I, I've seen situations like that. I remember one time we were in, we were in Mexico in Tijuana on a mission trip, and uh, we were at this 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 little tiny house. It was like an apartment. There was no running water. They had a, a 55 gallon drum of water to flush the toilet. This was a Wednesday night service, and this place was completely packed out. There was probably about 150 kids. There was probably about 100 adults. Um, and I remember uh, Pastor Seth was giving a message in English. And there was this guy that was translating, and there was a guy next door who was the town drunk, the complete town drunk. And uh, I remember he came out of his house, and he was stumbling, and he was, he, was, he was drunk. And I remember he was sitting right in front of me as Seth was giving a message, and I, I think the message was about the rapture of the church. Um, and th this guy was sitting in front of me, and he was like falling over, and then all of a sudden there was a point in this message where he started to cry, like just started bawling. And he was trying to talk to me, because I look Mexican, but I don't really speak Spanish. And, uh, and so, <laughs> so I grabbed one of the leaders from the church. I said, hey, you need to come here and minister to this guy. By the time this guy left, they prayed over him. By the time this guy left, he came up to me and shook my hand, and he was, he was completely sober. And the, door, the, the Lord had opened the door for this guy, you know, through a message on the rat. I mean, it, was, you know, it wasn't anything. It was just something simple. But God had put it in this guy's heart. And he got saved right then and there, and God completely transformed his life, at least as far as I know. That night he did. It was pretty miraculous. But again, it was the work of the Lord. It was a supernatural work of a super, supernatural God, and nobody could take credit for it. And, and again, you know, looking at this church uh, here, the Church of Philadelphia, this, is, this kind of reminds me of what's taking place here at Redemption, Right? You know, the a place, Redemption's main focus is bringing us into a deeper relationship with Jesus by simply teaching God's word. That's all it is. That's all it is. And look at what God is doing here. Um, side note, I was talking to the worship leader, John, uh, before I just met him. Um, and, he came and he came and spied out the church last week. I don't know if you guys remember that. 
He came and spied it out just to see how everything was going. And he told me, he's like, man, he's like, it was amazing. I felt like I was at home. Everybody was loving on me. Everybody was introducing themselves. And it felt really great. Why? Because we care about people, right? We don't care about numbers. We care about people, you know? And so this is exactly what's taking place here, I believe. Um, and then he goes on here. He says, verse 8, he says, indeed, I will make, uh, yeah, verse 8, uh, he says, you have little strength. And again, little strength doesn't mean weakness, right? It means meekness. Uh, it means strength within themselves. You know, their reliance wasn't on themselves. Their reliance was upon God and upon his strength. And they also, uh, going on, it says, and you have kept my word. They also kept his word and didn't deny his, his name. And again, this is where revival takes place, is when you stay true to the word of God. And before revival takes place, in the city or in the community or in the, in, the, in, the, in the country, revival has to take place here in, in the individual heart. And we do that when we continue to keep God's name and keep his word. Uh, when we have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, we will give attention to his word. And when we do, what happens? Our relationship with the Lord continues to grow. First, uh, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Teaching what? God's word. God's word. Uh, verse 10, it says, Because you have kept my commands to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So Jesus also knows their perseverance, right? They're committed they were committed to the work of Jesus Christ, no matter the personal costs, right? Jesus Christ does deserve our dedication. And when we think of biblical characters who persevered, the list is pretty amazing. Um, I think the, the number one would have to be Job, right? He's probably the greatest example of perseverance uh, who would rather die than curse God. Uh, and, and he went through quite a bit, but he still continued to praise the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah is another example of perse uh, perseverance. Um, who, you know, you know, Jeremiah, I think he actually has the longest book in the Old Testament. Uh, he proclaimed the goodness of God for decades, and yet there's not one recorded uh, convert from Jeremiah. But he was still faithful to continue to preach the gospel and continue to proclaim the goodness of God. And again, as we look at this, I mean, as we look at God opening doors, it's not our job to, to you know, try to get people saved. That's the work of the Lord. Our job is to continue to be faithful to the Lord and just continue to share with people. And whatever it takes, it takes, right? That's what God's going to hold you accountable is for your faithfulness, not for, you know, how many people got saved or how many people recited the, the sinner's prayer. It's simply to be faithful. Uh, we can look at Paul. Paul was in prison. Paul was beaten. He was shipwrecked. And yet he never stopped proclaiming the goodness of God. Uh, and just like all of these, we too, we face adverse conditions each day. And again, if you rely on your, limit, your limited resources, you will fail as too. But when you look to Jesus and his unlimited resources, he will give, he will, uh, give you, oh, he will be with you no matter what the situation is, right? And that's what we need to look to. We need to look to Jesus Christ. So carrying on, uh, point three, a promise from Jesus. Uh, verse 11 uh, through 13 it says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast 
to what you have that no one may take your crown. So here Jesus gives, then gives them this great promise that he is coming quickly or literally suddenly. Uh, obviously he hasn't come yet, so this promise is yet to be fulfilled, right? I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is the one that we're all holding fast to is that Jesus Christ is coming soon, coming quick, right? <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a moment in time when Jesus comes back for his saints, and, and uh, Paul talks about it in First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, in a twinkling of an eye. I mean, you know, so quick, and this, of course, is talking about the rapture of the church, and, and nowhere in Scripture are we told to, to look for the Antichrist, but we are told to look for the return of Jesus Christ. Why? Because his return is imminent, meaning that he could come at any moment. Uh, there's not another prophetic thing that needs to take place prior to Jesus Christ coming back for his church. And that should give us hope, you know? And, and again, with this great truth, what will we do with it? How will Jesus find you? Will he say, come in, good and faithful servant, or will he say, depart from me? You know, I don't, I don't know where everybody's at, but I want to hear that. I want to hear, come in, good and faithful servant, right? I mean, that's what we all long for. And so the importance of believing Jesus Christ will return at any moment is that, that you will hold fast and not lose your crown. You know, after we just celebrated Easter, uh, you remember the women, when they, when they seen the resurrected Lord, what were they doing? They were holding on to Jesus. They were holding fast to him, the same way that we, too, need to hold on to Jesus as he uh, is about to return. So, uh, and so we have to look for opportunities for ministry and walk through open doors that God has set before us. And then he says, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he who overcomes, he, will make a, uh, he, will, he makes a pillar in the temple of his God. And again, his temple, unlike earthly ones, are indestructible. And again, this imagery that Jesus would use would really speak to this church in Philadelphia. Because why? Because the pillars and the temples that were within that city. So it, would really, it, it, it was a good uh, way to, to, to get their attention. Um, and then he also says uh, in verse 12 that uh, he shall go out and um, make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will, write on him a, I will write on him the name of my God and the new name of the city of my God. And so he also gives you a new name that only he knows, right? I mean, it will be your heavenly passport declaring that you are a citizen of heaven. You know, to think that God has his own nickname just for you. Uh, you know, uh, you know my relationship with my kids, with my mom, right? We they all have special names, right? My mom still calls me Joe Bear. I've been her bear before I was even born, right? And that's her name for me. Why? Because of our relationship that we have together. The same with my kids. You know, that Lincoln is Bubby. <laughs> Why? Because of our relationship. Nobody else calls him Bubby, but we call him Bubby. Why? Because we have that special relationship with our kids the same way that God has a special relationship with each one of us. And so God has a name waiting for you. Uh, you can't pick it. Maybe you don't like your name here on earth. Uh, God's going to give you a new name, and, uh, and it's going to be awesome. So, uh, and then he says, uh, I will write on him, uh, him the name of my God and the name of that city, uh, my, uh, city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, from my God, and I will write on him, 
my new name. And so here Jesus kind of gives us a picture of the heavenly scene, what's going to take place uh, after the world is dissolved. Uh, if you look at Revelation, we'll, we'll be there in a couple months, uh, Revelation chapter 20, 21, uh, 22. We, it, it gives us a picture of what's going to take place after heaven and earth, are, uh, after the new heaven comes down from earth. And so, um, so G- Jesus concludes his, uh, each of his letters with a similar call to anyone who is willing to hear what he has to say, a call to trust him and to believe in him. Again, he who overcomes, it, it has a dual concept, right? Jesus is the overcomer, and my faith in him makes me one also. That's all. That's it. That's what makes us overcomers. Not because we're so great, not because we're so, you know, you know, dedicated, but it, it, it's simply our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and that's what makes us overcomer, overcomers. So exalting God's word above human opinion is how we have overcome spiritual deception, right? Uh, the more we know the real, the easier it is to spot the fake. You know, my mom worked in banking for, you know, her whole life, and they didn't, you know, have the pens and stuff that you, all they need to find counterfeit money, they could just feel it. Why? Because they work with it every single day. They knew what the real was, and thus they can spot the fake. And so we, too, uh, the closer we grow to God, the easier it is to overcome spiritual deception. So in closing, uh, the power of this church uh, was the power, simply the power of God working through them. They relied on his strength to do his word to do his work. They relied on his word to lead them into truth. Uh, They relied on his name to open doors. It was their connection to to him that made them persevere, right? You know, everyone in here has a relationship with the Lord, whether it's a good one or whether it's a bad one. Uh, I don't know know what it might be. And, And if it's the latter, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith as God leads you to say, to, uh, leads you to say, Jesus, I want more of you. And maybe you're here and either you walked away from Jesus uh, or you never had known Jesus before. Uh, I encourage you to repent and ask God to come into your heart because this is all God desires. God desires a relationship with you. God doesn't desire religion. That's why Jesus Christ came is to bring relationship, not another religion. There's plenty of religions out there. God desires this relationship with you as you continue to walk with him. So let's pray. Father, uh, I come before you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, uh, that your word is true, Lord. We thank you that you opened doors for us, Lord, uh, that we could have never, never imagined could be open, Lord. So I just ask, Lord, that you would just uh, continue to speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that, that's unsure of the relationship with you, Lord, that you would put it in their heart, the Lord, to make things right, uh, to simply turn to you and say, Lord, I've sinned against you and I need you. Please forgive me. So, Father, uh, we just uh, we thank you and praise you. We ask, Lord, that you would just uh, carry us through our week, Lord, and just really open doors for us to share your good news with other people. So we love you, praise you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.